0: Here at Dr. we're excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope you enjoy today's message.
1: Well, today we're kicking off with a brand new series called The Gift. It's a series in which we're going to be looking at the greatest gift that we have received as humanity called Jesus Christ. Now, maybe you're not familiar with the story. This whole series is leading up. To Christmas, and the story of Christmas centers around the coming of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And um, maybe you're not familiar with the story, as I've mentioned, Jesus was born about 2,000 years ago in a small town called Bethlehem, and under the reign of King Herod in that time. And we read about a lot of stuff, different stuff that's happening during his birth. But one of the specific things that happened at Jesus' birth is that he was visited by a few wise men bearing some gifts. And we're going to be looking at these gifts that these wise men gave to Jesus and what the significance was of these gifts as they point us to the gift, Jesus Christ himself. But just a quick question for you there at home, maybe maybe you know this, maybe you don't know this, but um, how many wise men, does the Bible tell us, were there at Jesus' birth day, when he was born on that day, giving him some gifts? Most people say three, even some traditions has named the wise men, giving them three different distinct names as well. However, the truth is that the Bible doesn't tell us how many wise men there were at Jesus' birth. However, the Bible does tell us that they gave him three different gifts. And because of this, many people have attributed each gift to being one of the wise men, giving Jesus a gift. But we really don't know how many gifts or how many wise men there were. However, we do know that Jesus received three gifts from these wise men. I want to actually read it to you. It's in Matthew chapter 2, verses 11, where it says, um, They saw the star, they were full with joy, and then they entered the house, and they saw this child, Jesus, with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, I don't know about you, But I'm a father of two at my house, and um, both of their expecting births, not one of them, we've received any gold, frankincense, or myrrh. It's very, very strange gifts. Actually, we received stuff like diapers, which we call um, gold for parents. Um, If you're a parent, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. We received diapers, and wipes, and onesies, and blankets, and teddies, and, and we even received something called a baby vac. Now, if you don't know what a baby vac is, a better way of saying it, it's basically a baby snot sucker that helps your kid just to breathe when their nose are blocked. Can you believe we have stuff like that? Well, the reality is we received that. We did not receive any gold, any frankincense or any myrrh whatsoever. So really strange gifts. And what do they mean? Well, in that time and in that space, all three of these gifts were really very valuable. And they were also very practical in many ways, but they also were very spiritual. And they pointed us to something that Jesus would give us. that A gift that would come through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at the significance of these gifts and what they tell us about the gift called Jesus Christ. Now, today we're going to dive in week one into the gift, Frank Incense. Now I don't know anything much about Frank Incense. All I know is that it's an oil. So more than that, I do really not know. However, what I do know about this gift is obviously that it was very valuable in that time. But secondly, that this gift had a very practical role that it played it was a gift that could help with healing sickness and healing wounds so it was a very practical gift to help for Jesus on his way forward but then also it was a very spiritual gift you see the high priest in in the Jewish culture in Israel would take some frankincense and burn it on an altar And then the smoke that this oil, this fragrant oil would make, would be seen as a fragrant, pleasing odor going up to God, representing the prayers of His people before Him in heaven. That's kind of the spiritual significance of that gift. Therefore, this gift, frankincense, points us to the gift that we have in Jesus as our high priest. Now the word high priest might be a very religious word for most of us. And some of us might not even know what that really means and what is it all about. So just quickly before we dive in, I just quickly want to touch on why we need a a high priest. And also what would the high priest's function be? So why is there a need for someone like a high priest? And then secondly, what is the function of this high priest? In order for us to discover this gift that Jesus is for us as a high priest. Now, the reason why we need a high priest is because God is holy and we are sinful. That's the reason. God is holy. He's separate. He's set apart. He's different. And we are sinners. If you've not met Jesus yet, you are still a sinner. You're in this category. And sin is basically everything that's opposing who God is. This is everything who God is not. Sin represents all of our rebellion, everything that God made us not to be. That is what we do when we're sinning. And because God is holy, He cannot be in the presence of sin. Now, I know this is a strange topic for most of us. So what I've done is I've just ask the guys to enter in a little small video here from the Bible Project explaining the importance of God's holiness and why? Because we are filled with sin. We cannot be in his presence because he is holy.
0: You've probably heard the word holy before or at least sang it in a church song once or twice and for most people this idea is really just connected to being a morally good person. So. God is holy because he is morally perfect. Yeah, that is part of it. But in the Bible, the idea of holiness is even bigger and more rich. What it is really describing is how God is the creative force behind the whole universe. He's the one and only being with the power to make a world full of such beauty and life. And so all these abilities, they make God utterly unique, which is the meaning of the word holy. So, a helpful way to think about God's holiness is by using the sun as a metaphor. The sun is unique, at least within our solar system. And it is really powerful. It is the source of all this beautiful life on our planet. And so you could say that the sun is holy. And you can actually take this metaphor even further in that the whole area around the sun is also holy. Yeah, because the closer you get to the sun, the more intense it gets. Yeah, exactly. So that very power and goodness that generates all this life is also dangerous. I mean, the sun, if you get too close, will annihilate you. And in the same way, there's this paradox at the heart of God's own holiness. Because if you're impure, his presence is dangerous to you. And not because it's bad, but because it's so good. And so the first time we see this paradox of God's holiness, it's in the story of Moses in the burning bush. So God tells Moses to take off his sandals because he's standing on holy ground and Moses covers his face in fear and God says, hey, don't come any closer. It's intense. It's actually that intensity of God's holiness that's explored even more in the stories about Israel's temple, which was the main place where God's holy presence was located. And at the center of the temple was this room called the most holy place. It's the hot spot of God's presence. And whether you're an Israelite living in the land around the temple or a priest working right in the temple, you're in proximity to God's holy presence, which is dangerous. Yeah, this is a problem. So, how's it supposed to work? Well, in the Bible, the solution is that you need to become pure.
1: Well, now that you've seen why it is so impossible for us to be in God's presence because He's holy and He is so good, for us to be in his presence when we're impure, we'll need a high priest. And the role of the high priest in the Bible basically was the one that would mediate on behalf of the people in front of God's presence. And he would do this by sacrificing an innocent animal. So I wanna dive into the role of the high priest and let's look at what he did and how Jesus came to fulfill that fully and what the implications would be for you and me today to receive this gift that we have in Jesus. So sacrifice, what a strange thing to do, especially in our modern age and day to day. I mean, it's really weird. It's just gross. It's, I mean, it's 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 freaky. I don't understand it. It seems offensive. Why would an innocent animal die on behalf of a person that's filled with sin? Why is that it's even happening? Well, For us to understand this better, we need to go back into a space and into a time where this was the order of the day. Um, And it's kind of like the Old Testament here is an old covenant. And what would happen, God chose to live among His people, the Israelites. And for for His presence to be in their midst, they had to be clean before Him as you guys have seen in the video. And the way this would happen is that As he stayed in this tabernacle, the high priest was the only one allowed to be within the tabernacle in that most holy of holies where God's hotspot of his presence was. He was the only one allowed to be there. And there's a reason for that. And we read about that reason in Hebrews chapter 9. So I want to read it to you, verse 7. It says, but the high priest alone, he's the only one, enters the second room that's the holy of holies and he does that only once a year and never without blood which he offers for himself and for the sins of the people in israel who might have committed sin in their ignorance so what do we see in this piece of scripture well God lives among His people. He's in the, in the hot spot of His presence, the Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle, a man-made tent for God to live in. And the only person that can be with God and intercede with God and, and be in His presence was the high priest. But he could only enter if he was making a sacrifice. And the reason for the sacrifice is because the penalty of sin is death. If you've sinned against the author of life, if you want to walk away from God, who is life himself, then you walk away from life and you walk towards death. And therefore the penalty of sin is death. And for you to be in God's presence, someone need to pay that penalty. And in this case, it was an innocent animal and somehow this animal would absorb your sin for a moment and then you can enter into God's presence and that would be the the high priest doing this for himself as well as on behalf of the people of Israel. He would represent them all before God. So the thing about the old covenant is you can only enter into God's presence if there was a sacrifice made, a penalty paid on your behalf. And here's the worst thing. It had to be done every single year. This was an annual event taking place within Israel to cleanse them to be in God's presence. Now you might have been at church before. I don't know where you are, where you're sitting today. Maybe you've been once or twice at a church and you've never seen anyone sacrificing any animals. And you would be absolutely 100% right and correct because we don't do that anymore. And it's for this one big reason. It's because Jesus became our high priest. And the Hebrew writer writes about this as well. He writes the following in Hebrews chapter 9 verses 11 and 12. It's a new covenant that's made through Jesus Christ. And verse 11 reads as follows. But Christ has appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come. In the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not one made by man, but one that's in heaven not made with our hands, not one of this creation. Why did He enter there? Verse 12, He entered the most holy place once for all time, once Jesus did this, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood, having then obtained eternal redemption for us all. So the new covenant tells us that Jesus became not just the high priest, but also the sacrifice on our behalf. It was by His blood that He could enter in. He who had no sin could enter in to God's presence, and He offered Himself up. And by His blood, we can now, not just herely, but forever be in the presence of our own creator, God himself. Jesus would give his life so that you and I can have eternal redemption. So guys, just like in the Old Testament, when an innocent animal would absorb the sin to make you holy in the presence of God for a moment, maybe for a year for the Israelites, for God to be with them, here Jesus' blood absorbs the sin of all of humanity. And He enters in and gives us the opportunity to be declared holy before God for all of eternity. Maybe another way of putting this would be to share a story with you guys that happened with me. It's a very personal moment and a personal story in my own life where I was praying with someone about my life. And we were bringing my life before God and while we were praying together um, in God's presence and um, I've given my life to Jesus. So we were praying about the future of my life and what God wanted to do with my life. I saw this picture of Jesus coming towards me. He's walking towards me, but he looked absolutely weak and his clothes were ripped. And he was walking in the midst of these grand canyons above him, towering above him. He looked like he was defeated and beaten and bruised and, and just looked weak, overwhelmed with weakness. And as I saw this picture of Jesus walking towards me while we were busy praying, I was actually getting scared because I thought maybe this is, this is the enemy planting an idea in my brain telling me that Jesus is weak. He can never help me. He's not good enough. So I tell the person praying with me, we must pray, we must pray, we must pray. And as we prayed, the next moment I saw Jesus standing with me and this person in my vision And he's inviting me to stand up with him. And as I stood up with him, he gave me a brand new piece of clothes, like a big tunic. In fact, if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, you'll know what I'm talking about now. But it looked like mithril that I was putting on. It was a very shiny, strong um, material that's used. And uh, I put that on onto my body. And the moment I put it on, it reflected the light of Jesus into my world. And it gave me a new opportunity to start walking a road with Jesus. Now, I didn't fully understand this vision. It would only be the year after that. That was 2010 when I was writing this down and reflecting on what was happening that I so clearly experienced this verse where Jesus talks about we need to wear His robes of righteousness. And I realized at that moment what I saw was Jesus taking my Dirty, filthy rags on himself, taking what I deserve and he wearing it fully, being beaten, being bruised, dying on my behalf, becoming the lamb that is slaughtered and his blood would become giving me the opportunity to become the robes of righteousness that I would wear from Jesus to now be in the presence of God. So Jesus is your high priest. You can be with God forever. And I want to tell you today, you are not a Christian. If you've not placed your faith in the blood of Jesus to reconcile you, to give you an opportunity to be with God, you're not a Christian. You might be a very nice person. You might have done great things. You might be even a very moral or a very successful person, but you're not a Christian. You're not a child of God if you have not put your faith in the blood of Jesus. So what would be the implication for Jesus becoming my high priest and your high priest? Well, the first one is that if Jesus is your high priest and you've put your faith in Jesus, that it means Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses. He knows how it feels to be human. In fact, the Hebrew writer writes about this. It says, therefore, since we have a high priest, it's Hebrews 4, 14. We have a high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. The fact that he is a high priest. He is the one that paid the price for us. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are. Yet he is without sin. You know what the Hebrew writer gets to there? He's saying Jesus can sympathize with where you are right now today. He's saying Jesus know how you feel because he was also a man, because he also lived on this planet. In fact, Jesus was conceived out of wedlock by a teenage mother. Can you imagine what it would be to grow up in a small little town being being? being ridiculed, being being bullied and uh, teased by other kids saying, oh, that's the boy born out of wedlock. Jesus knows how it feels to be rejected. He lived in poverty. He knows what it means to be poor, to be criticized, to be ridiculed, to be bullied, to be tempted by the enemy himself in his greatest moments of weakness when he was so vulnerable, when he didn't eat or drink for 40 days, the enemy came and tempts him. Jesus even knows what it means to lose a close friend, closer than a brother. Jesus grieved about the death of Lazarus. The Bible tells us Jesus was accused of things that he never did. He was falsely accused. Jesus knows how that feels. He knows what it feels like when your best friends betray you in your greatest hour of need. Jesus even knows what it feels like to be abandoned by God. You know, on the cross, Jesus takes the price. He is being slaughtered. He's being sacrificed on our behalf. There we see the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, giving His life so that we can be with the Father. And it's in that moment that God turns to Jesus And we hear Jesus saying the following. When God looks at His Son and He can't take it anymore, He turns away and Jesus says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why is Jesus saying that? Well, because God is holy. And in that instant, all the sin of the world was placed upon Jesus. He atoned for all of the sin and God cannot be in the presence of sin. He cannot look upon it. So He abandoned Jesus in that very moment. Why? So that you and I would not be abandoned by God. Jesus atones for us and He knows. He knows where you are today and how you feel. We sometimes feel God is not present and in our midst, but really God never abandons us. Jesus knows what it means and what it feels like to be fully, truly, wholeheartedly abandoned by God, to be alone. In a way that we could never know. And He went that far for you. So the first thing is Jesus knows He can sympathize with you. The second thing we get, because Jesus is our high priest, is that Jesus gives us boldness. He gives us a boldness to be, to come before God. The next verse right after this in Hebrews 4 It's verse 16. It says the following. It says, therefore, now he's saying therefore, because because Jesus paid this price, because Jesus can sympathize, because he became a man, he lived and he died and he was resurrected so that we can have this next part that the Hebrew writer speaks of. Because of the sacrifice Jesus made, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness. Look at the person next to you. Maybe there's someone next to you today and I want you to tell them, I can approach God's throne with boldness through Jesus. I can approach God's throne with boldness through Jesus Christ's sacrifice. I don't know about you, but many times when I'm in a place of need or when I'm going through a tough time, the way I speak to God is not with boldness. I many times come begging and not come bold before God. Because I so many times believe, and it's basically sin that's convincing me of this, that I'm not worthy of God's presence. And it's in the one sense it's correct, because I've sinned. But when we are in Jesus, all our sins has been paid. Therefore now, if you are in Jesus Christ, if you've trusted Him, if you've put your faith in the blood of Jesus, you can come boldly before the throne of God. You can come with boldness and ask Him in your times of need. Maybe today is the day that you need to ask Jesus to become your high priest, to be the one that paid the price on your behalf, to be the one that would intercede for you so that you can have eternal redemption with God. Just this past week, I had the privilege of speaking with someone that gave their life to Jesus. And while I was in a conversation with this lady, she asked me the following questions. She said, Lorraine, I'm still looking for Jesus. I don't really know. How do I know I found Him? And I started speaking to her about My own journey of how I found and discovered Jesus. And in my case, it was through a dream. I received the dream the one night and I woke up the next morning. I told my dad about this very significant dream that I had. And as we had a discussion together, my dad told me and he said, Lorraine, I believe Jesus is speaking to you. And he's asking you to choose whether you want to be with him for the rest of your life. And that morning in grade two, I made the decision to accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life. As I was sharing this story with this lady, she looked at me and I could see tears in her eyes. As she started saying, Lorraine, about two weeks ago, I had a dream. I dreamed Jesus was coming down and he was coming back. And lots and lots and lots of people were going with him. But I was running away. I I was hiding in a bush. Away from Jesus because I was too afraid of him. And as she said those words, I looked at her and I said, do you know what? Jesus paid a price so that you never have to be afraid. That you never have to run and hide again from his presence. That you can be with God. And she prayed that day with me. And she accepted the blood of Jesus. And by faith, she became a child of God. She put on the robes of Jesus' righteousness, and now she can stand in the presence of a holy, living God. Why not you today? Why is it not your opportunity to do this? If that's you, if you're listening to this and you're experiencing a little voice telling you, That's me, I want to be with my Creator. I want to get to know his voice. I want to approach his throne with boldness. I want to speak to someone who knows exactly how I feel in this very moment. Then I want to invite you to pray with me and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. Let's pray. Father, today we come before you in the name of Jesus. And if you want to give your life to Jesus now, I want to ask you to repeat this after me. Father, I cannot save myself. I have sinned. I've rebelled against you. But today, I want to come and put my faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. I acknowledge that He is the Lord of my life, not just the Lord of the universe, but that He truly is the Son of God and He is the Lord of my life. I bow down before Him today. and Father, I want to pray in the name of Jesus that You will send Your Holy Spirit to guide me in this brand new life that I've just received in Jesus. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you To click on our starting point link where we'd like to have a conversation with you and help you in this new journey that you get to walk with God because of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected
0: to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.